Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, how you doing? You're in San Francisco right now, right? Yeah, this is my first um, remote podcast from you know away from my house yeah yeah no it's it's I'm on uh, the road we're really capturing the moment too I can see the refrigerator behind you is that a refrigerator yes that's not a background that I've put <laughs> it's together not, it's not a fake background I, I thought you were going for you know a background of a refrigerator and stuff like uh, plants well it's basically it, well I'm, I was going for like a showroom at Lowe's <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing? What do you, I love San Francisco, but we were just talking about this a little bit off the air. You know, I spent, there's a show up there on a radio station called Alice and it's kind of like a hip, you know, uh, adult alternative kind of station. And one of the, uh, well, a friend of mine, Sarah Clark does the show up there and it, I think she's still doing it. It's called, it was called Sarah and Vinny. And what happened was Vinny had to go to rehab. And so Sarah called me and said, hey, can you come up here and do this show until Vinny gets out of rehab? So I did six months of morning radio in San Francisco, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I lived on the Presidio mm-hmm. uh, right by Baker Beach, which you know is absolutely beautiful. I, my view was the Golden Gate Bridge. What's your view right now? So the view is Golden Gate Park and the ocean. I'm in the Upper Richmond, which is right by Sutro Heights. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's really pretty. Have you gone for dim sum? I have not gone for dim sum. We had Thai food the other night. We actually had pizza last night. Um, tonight we're going to some Italian restaurant that my nieces picked out. It's my sister's birthday today, so that was. You go to San Francisco? Oh, your niece's birthday? How old is your? No, niece? no, no. It's my sister's birthday. Your today. sister? How old's your sister? She's 67. 67. Mm-hmm. Wow. So older sister. Older, yes. Yeah, yeah. So as you know, I've been working really, really hard at golf. And I've been working with a guy named Derek Allen, who is at Rancho Park. And I started from scratch, right? Never played golf before. Uh, he has worked on my swing, helped me work on my swing. And I put it out on social media this week. And Sue, you saw my swing. What does it look like to you? It looks like you've been playing a really long time. Really? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm actually a little envious of your swing. Really? It's that it's, good? It's just, you're, you're, you're doing everything right, you know? I mean, and then just seeing the flight of the ball off your club. I mean, you keep your head still and you're not really moving your body a lot and you're swinging up and through. I actually wrote you that I think that you're going to give Ireland a run for his money. I'm going to. I'm going tomorrow because, because you're getting you're getting what fifty strokes? Uh, twenty six strokes on a on nine holes. We're only playing nine holes. Okay, well, twenty six strokes on a nine hole. I think that you're going to do really, really well. I mean, look, it's it's a big difference from the driving range. Yep. To to the course. Yeah. But. I am very impressed with what you're doing. So impressed. Nice. I actually asked you if I could take a lesson with your instructor. Yeah, I'll get I'll get you a deal. I'll get okay. you. De- He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He loves talking about uh, all the people that he has coached. Like he has coached. He's got pictures of him with Bill Clinton and 
Morgan Freeman. You don't think of Morgan Freeman as a golfer. Um, uh, Halle Berry. Uh, I mean, oh, wow. All kinds of stars that he's actually coached. And now he can have Sue Kalinsky's picture up on his wall. Oh, can you imagine getting the great <laughs> Sue Kalinsky? Now, your game, I, now I thought you've been playing a long time. Aren't you any good? I, well, you know, I have been playing a long time and I've had a lot of breaks in between. But the thing, the beauty and, and kind of what I'm envious about with you is that you had no bad habits to mm. get rid of. Right. You just went purely from learning how to hit the ball correctly right out of the gate. And, um, so you, know, you went I, out I, and hacked for a while, got some bad habits, and then you've not been able to get rid of them. So, like, you, you told me that, that Morales said that I don't listen to him. It's not that I wasn't <laughs> listening to him. Yeah, well, our friend it's, Chris Morales, who produced the show for a long time uh, and is really a smart ass. It wasn't that I wasn't listening to him. It was the fact that my body is so used to doing things incorrectly. Yes. That, you know, he comes he comes to the driving range one time and he's like, you're not listening to me. You're not doing what I'm telling you. And it's like, well, I'm trying to, but I'm so used to doing it wrong that yeah. it's going to take a while to undo that. So, um, yeah, so it looks really great. So but are I, you I, able to, are you able to sort of, Zen it out. In other words, so so I think one of the most difficult things about golf, and I'll be on the course for the first time tomorrow, so we'll see what that swing actually looks like when I'm on the course. So one of the most difficult things is, um, for me, I don't have a short memory. So what I'm afraid of is I'm going to hit a bad shot and then fall apart, which I think is probably pretty common, right? Yeah, you, you really have to just leave that shot where it was and just move on. You really yeah. do. And, you know, I guess it's the same thing in any sport, you know, with a baseball player who, you know, is, is, is in, a scuffling, yeah. it's in a slump and it's like, just, you just can't think about what you did on the last swing, on the last hole. You really can't. Because what happens a lot of times, and it, and it kind of happens in reverse, like I went out not that long ago and um, the first two holes were not that great. And then I got a birdie on the third hole. Nice. You know, and then, and then the next hole, you know, I sucked. So it's, <laughs> it's just kind of the nature. It's, it's the thing about golf. It's like, and, and maybe it is in other sports too, but every time I think to myself, okay, I know what I'm doing. I have to stop saying that. Yes. Yes. As soon as I say it, I, I shank it or, you know. Yeah, see, I'm the, to, I'm the same even at the range. Like, yeah. you know, I, I'll be like, uh, I'll be hitting a, in a groove, and then Derek will turn the camera on, and I'll immediately, you know, scull the ball down the middle of the fairway. Um, so, yeah, it's it's that. But but there's actually a book called Golf in the Kingdom. It's written by one of the guys that, uh, I don't know, owns or oversees Esalen Institute up in, uh, uh, what would you call that, uh, Big Sur? Mm-hmm. And they uh, they are talking about sort of the spiritual nature of golf, that there is something about being completely in the moment and being sort of unbothered. You know, that's, not, that's what they talk about in meditation, right? Can you be unbothered? Right. So their challenge is, and I, I can't remember the author's name, but the challenge is, and he writes about this, is the ability to be unbothered after a bad shot. 
Yeah. You know, you just, you know, you look at the pros. I mean, look at the galley galleries. I mean, there's like so many people standing on either side of them. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just, you just have to stay in your zone. Um, that's why, you know, I used to smoke pot a lot when I played golf. You know what? Ireland says a lot of the people he plays yeah. with at Mountain Gate are high mm-hmm. when they, they've got their vape pens out. Right. And, you know, I'm, I shoot pool. So um, whenever I would smoke pot and shoot pool, I was just so in my zone. Really? And, and just, you know, because it, it, it has a similar feel. It's like that, you know, your stroke, it's just smooth, you know, yes. no jerking, you know, it's the jerking and the hesitation and, you know, and I, I don't, don't know how, by the way, I don't know how anybody does this. I mean, when I smoke, I'm blasted. Like I, I, I have two puffs and I'm like completely in the bag. I mean, I'm not even leaving the house, getting off the couch after a couple of puffs. How do you do it? It just doesn't affect me that way. It makes me very focused. Like when I write, yeah. a lot of times I'll write high or like when really? I'm working on shows and I'm looking at cuts and I'm and I'm and I'm giving notes, you know, maybe this maybe people shouldn't be hearing this. You know, it's like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I'm not doing that. What are you crazy? What are you high?" Uh, yes. But it just it just focuses me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I have to, I just have to say one thing. Yes. So last night I'm in my sister's apartment and my, I have two nieces. So one of them, um, in the middle of conversation gets a text from a friend of hers who lives in LA Okay. said, um, uh, so I, I heard that your, your aunt doesn't like ham sandwiches. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I said, what, what's that about? And she said, oh, he said he heard it on the radio because he lives in L.A. He listens yes. to Mason in Ireland. Yeah. And I said, well, what was the context of Steve saying something like that about me? And then he told me the story. And I said, oh, my God, that's hysterical. Right. Because <laughs> there's a kid in uh, Pennsylvania or in uh, Ohio who missed a voluntary workout. And then the coaches said, well, you have to eat this pizza. And the pizza had pepperoni on it. And he explained multiple times, look, I'm an observant Jew, I'm uh, Israel, Hebrew, Israeli, and I don't eat pork, and you're going to make me eat this pork. And ultimately, he had to. I just remember the idea of a ham sandwich was absolutely revolting to you. Yeah, pretty revolting. And then milk to wash it down. Yeah, like and then ham and, and, ham and cheese. And milk ham and, and cheese, meat. yeah. Ugh, disgusting. Yep. So that's how you were referenced on the show yesterday. I think referenced properly. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I did. You got a ham thing. I got a ham. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ham and I have a ham thing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited about this. Our guest today has starred in countless films, including Unforgiven, House of Sand and Fog, The Kingdom, The Lincoln Lawyer, and in the all-time worldwide blockbuster, Titanic. Her new film is called Awake, and you can see it right now on Netflix. Frances Fisher joins us. Frances, thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. So, I, you know, we just had Ellen Burstyn on the show uh, oh. a couple of weeks ago, and she talked about the Actors Studio, and I wanted to kind of talk to you about it. What was your experience at the Actors Studio like? Well, I consider Ellen a mentor of mine. You know, I've been a member there for about 40 years. I was one of the last batch of, stu- of, of, of actors that Lee Strasberg actually brought into the studio. And then, unfortunately, he passed the next, the, the next year. So I think that was either 1980 or 1981. It's all a blur to me. <laughs> um, and uh, Ellen, you know, well, 
Alan yeah. Durston, what are you going to say? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that We barely could hold ourselves together talking to Ellen Burston because I've been such a big fan for so long. Yeah, she's her, her work ethic is impeccable. And in fact, I just had a conversation with her about a week ago calling her and I said, I need, I just need some, some words of wisdom, you know, cause I'm working on this big role uh, on a really good TV series and I want to do my best. And she just said, just get back to the basics, relaxation, meditation, and you know, all the substitutions for all the people in your work uh, in, in the work and make sure that they're very specific and, you know, just ran me back over all of the, all, all of the rules and know your lines. Everybody says that. You know? Yeah. So, so no matter, no matter how many years you've been in the business and all of the amazing roles that you've done, um, you, you just said, I'm doing this big role and, and kind of the nerves in a, in a bit, you know, they, they always kind of creep in, right? Oh yeah. Well, because it's, it's creating a completely new role, you know, and, um, you, I'm not saying you're making it up as you're going along, but you also have to leave room for uh, your instincts and your uh, if if you have have a an impulse to do something, you know, you do it and you trust it. Uh, working in television, we work much faster than we do, you know, in theater. Of course, we have you know, if we're lucky, we get four weeks of rehearsal. Uh, the last play I did. We had three and a half weeks of rehearsal, including tech, which was a bear because it was the lion in winter. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that material, but it's thick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just learning the lines was a bear, you know, because it's a very specific um way of, of, of speaking and, and you just have to know your history and, yeah. Anyway, um, well, you spent a you spent a, a long time on stage in in New York. You you that was really the beginning of your career. What was it like getting back on stage again? Oh, it's it's glorious. It really is. I mean the the rehearsal process itself is is such a great part of it because you get to marinate with your fellow fellows and 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 live with the work that you've done that morning and afternoon and, and go home and study more and come back and, you know, just, just weaving all of these different things together uh, and having the luxury of time. Uh, so you can really, you know, create your character from, from a place of not just doing it, you know, uh, the night before, so to speak. But, you know, you have this, these four weeks to, to marinate. Yeah. So is there, is there like a big adjustment period when you're going from play to film and, and vice versa? Because it's well, different prep, the, right? Yeah, yeah. In the, in the beginning, especially, you know, because I, I did 14 years of, of theater. That was my beginning. I started out in community theater in Orange, Texas. Hmm. And uh, the first play I ever did was Tennessee Williams. Wow. Uh, summer and smoke. Yeah. And all of a sudden that opened my 18-year-old eyes to a whole other world. And uh, just sitting in that theater every night and watching other people rehearsing the music of his, of, of his and the poetry of his writing just really lit a fire in me. 
And uh, then I did um, A Man for All Seasons. Robert mm-hmm. Bolt is an amazing writer. And then I did MAME. Uh, and because it was community theater, I was also the costume designer. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> and nice. playing Agnes Gooch and singing off-key. Um, but it was great fun. And there, how I ended up becoming a professional actress is that um, in this little bitty town of Orange, Texas, a New York actor came to retire. His hmm. name is John Holland. And um, after a show one night, uh, because there was nowhere to go, you know, at 10, 1030 at night in this little bitty town. So we would go over to somebody's house and, you know, have some food and sit around and talk and everything. And he came over and he sat me down on the couch and he said, Miss Fisher, I have to tell you, you have talent and you can make something of yourself. Mm. You could be a professional. That was the first time anybody spoke to me like that. Wow. You know? To give me the hope that maybe I can get out of this town. <laughs> now, did you immediately know you were great? Great? No, I, I still, I, who knows that they're great? I mean, that's, I think that's a downfall to think that. All I knew is that I had the passion and that I was on fire because I, I, I heard these playwrights for the first time, Tennessee Williams, Robert Bolt, um, and, uh, but he said, you can be a professional. You could, you could go and I can send you to the Barter Theater in Virginia. And uh, you can apprentice there for a season and learn everything about stagecraft. And so I quit my job at Firestone as a secretary. Hmm. I ate my last chicken fried steak at the diner across from the Greyhound bus station. In the rain, I walked over with my little suitcase and <laughs> got on the bus and went up to Virginia. I think it was a two-day trip and uh, arrived at the Barter Theater in Virginia and uh, immediately went into the, it was like a big building where you had roommates and things like that and got to work. And uh a lot of my duties were every aspect of theater. I assisted the director. I built, built the sets. We struck the sets. I sewed costumes. Um, I cued actors, mm. all the actors who jobbed in from New York for a particular show. I was cueing them and also hanging out with them and learning about, God, you live in New York City and you're doing theater and Oh my gosh, you, you, you're a real actor. You know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. I ran lights, ushered. Wow. You know, did, did every aspect of what goes into uh, creating the magic on stage. And it's given me a respect for the crew ever since to know all the, the, the hard jobs that go into making somebody shine on a stage mm. or in front of a camera. So, you played uh, Lucille Ball in uh, Lucy and Desi Before the Laughter. You put me in the radio series. I've worked for CBS for four years. So we don't want to take this to another network. It's the same kind of thing as My Favorite Husband. Only my favorite husband plays my husband. You know I think you're both marvelously talented. And we want you at CBS, but it's been discussed. And no one on this coast thinks that they can sell you as a team. Why not? Well, they say because nobody would believe it. 
Why would a Cuban band leader with a Latin lover image hook up with a red-headed all-American girl? Love. Lucy was obviously a genius. I used to watch the show every single afternoon as a kid when I got home from school. How much responsibility do you feel playing an, an icon like Lucille Ball? Well, fortunately, there was a lot of material about her available. Um, I had gotten the idea that I wanted to play her someday as a younger actress because, um, I, well, I brought in the, the sheet of all the pictures for my headshots to ask my fellow actors, you know, what do you think would be the best headshot for this or that, whatever. And at the end, there were about three or four pictures where the, the photographer said, let's just play around. Why don't you put your hair up and put a little more makeup on? And we kind of goofed around and he took those pictures. But Desmond Child, who was in this acting workshop, who was an amazing songwriter producer you know in in by the way the has been on, has been on our show yeah Desmond. oh yes. i love him so much he's great yeah yeah we are definitely in touch uh and have been over the years but he said he looked at those last few pictures and he says francis you know you look a lot like lucille ball i went really and she he goes yeah before she became the i love lucy lucy ricardo she was a 1950s movie star and she was beautiful I'm yeah like, thank you so that got me you know next time i went to the drama bookstore i uh started looking around and i started reading about her and read her autobiography or a biography i don't think she ever did an autobiography uh, and and became fascinated by what her life was like and how she began and how she became an actress and the trials and tribulations she went through and, and the chance she took to, to, to have her husband, who was a Latino at the time, right. to do a TV series, my God, in the 50s. And uh, I became fascinated with her. And I realized when I did put the makeup on, I looked a lot like her. Yes, it no? is there naturally. The resemblance uh, is there naturally. Yeah, well, with the makeup, you know, the eyebrows and the lips and all that stuff. So um, I just always held it in my heart that, you know, I would love to honor her someday and, and play, play her. And sure enough, we cut to years later, I was reading the trades and it said that CBS is doing a TV movie called Lucy and Desi Before the Laughter. Hmm. And it's being cast by Holly Powell. Now, get this, Holly Powell was one of my first best friends when I moved to Orange, Texas, when I was 13. Wow. And we were friends. We've been friends all this time. She became a casting director. She moved to New York at a certain time. She became a casting director. And I called her and I said, Holly, you're casting my dream role. <laughs> she went, oh, yeah, send in your headshot. So what I did, instead of just sending in my headshot, I called the photographer who had taken those pictures of me yes. decades before. And I said, we got we to do a, a photo shoot. And I want to look like Lucille Ball. That's the headshot I'm going to send in. Wow. So I went to um, a thrift shop and found some 50s dresses to a red one with black velvet and a more simple blue one with daisies around the neckline. Hmm. And took pictures with both of them, sent them in, 
and uh, the producer said that that was that that my headshot was always on the top of his list when the auditions happened because somebody had the balls to actually send in a picture of herself looking like Lucy. Hmm. I'll tell you something about the um, the the two dresses I got, which is really weird. Uh, the blue dress I told you with the daisies around the neckline. Yes. When I got the job and I started doing all the research on Lucy and, and, and watched every episode with new eyes, because, of course, I had seen all of I Love Lucy as a kid growing up who doesn't, you know, she, like you said, she's a comedy genius and a master at physicality. In one of the episodes, I swear to God, she was wearing that daisy dress. Wow. Oh, my God. So I went to my closet my costume closet, I pulled it out and I looked on the inside, anywhere did it have LB written in the little, you know, side thing or something because it was the dress. Wow. Right? That's crazy. <laughs> I know. It's just meant to be. Yeah. That's insane. Anyway. So I, I wanted to, you know, speaking of, you know, Lucille Ball working with Desi, you, you know, work with Clint Eastwood, who was your husband. And, um, I watched Unforgiven uh-huh. again last night, actually, uh-huh. which mm-hmm. uh, just amazing. You talk about ballsy. What a what a ballsy character that was that you played. Oh yeah, Strawberry Alice. And I yeah. wanted to know, like, it was a it was a breakout role for you. And was there a lot of pressure on you acting in something that your husband was directing? Well, first of all, he wasn't my husband. He's oh, he my- wasn't. He wasn't. No, no. But, but you know, it's like he. he I never got the ring. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm sorry. I, th- I thought you, I mean, I know you guys were together, obviously. Yeah, we were I, together. I yeah, we okay. were d- together for a while. We have a beautiful daughter, Francesca. Yes, yes. following me in our footsteps. I'm so proud of her. Mm. Um, uh, the pressure of what? Uh, no, no. I mean, it was just a great role to play and uh, to, to be around that marvelous cast and Jack Green who shot it and, uh, the efficiency with which Clint works, it's, it's really remarkable. And the quietness on the set, it's just, there's such a, so much respect for the work. It's, it, it was really a great experience. I got $85. I don't know. If Delala doesn't care one way or the other, what are we all getting so riled up about? Just because we let them smelly fools ride us like horses don't mean we gotta let them brand us like horses. Maybe we ain't nothing but whores, but we, by God, we ain't horses. I got $112. That's everything. How about you, Faith? 200 $240. Jesus, Faith, what you been doing? You been giving Skinny something special? <laughs> She laughs. With what Kate got, and Silky got some, and then mine, and little Sue. It ain't enough. Not yet, maybe. Yeah, you know, we've talked to other actors who uh, were in projects uh, directed by Clint, and they all talk about that quiet. That that quiet that he kind of goes into scenes with and is it true that he never says action yeah it's it's go ahead 
Because the thing, the thing that we, he learned that, he said he learned that because when he was doing Rawhide, you know, the director would call action and then the horses get all, you know, startled and stuff like that. So he always just says, go ahead. And you know, that's actually a better thing to say, especially if it's an intimate scene. I mean, if it's a big scene where everybody has to hear it, you know, action isn't bad, especially if it is an action scene. Yeah. But if it's an intimate scene, you know, quiet, the actors are prepared and, you know, he being an actor understands the, what the process is and it's quiet and he just, anytime. Yeah. Go ahead. So you don't feel that jarring sensation like, oh, I got to act now. You know, it's just. Right, right, right. Moving through the, 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 the preparation into the actual scene. Have you had experience, I'm, 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 I'm always curious about this, where, you know, you're prepared, you know, up until your lines, you know, your last line or the last line in the scene. And then all of a sudden, you know, does the director sometimes surprise you and just stay with the camera rolling for a period of time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've learned that, too. I mean, never, never to cut it off yourself, you know, because sometimes the gold is in that last moment uh, because it's not scripted. And if you're still in the scene and, and there could be some really amazing moments that can, can come. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, uh, within a scene, uh, I mean, I read um, a little piece that Leonardo DiCaprio had said about how important, the most important thing for an actor is to know their lines. Hmm. You have to know your lines inside and out because then you're free of them. And you're not struggling in the moment to remember what you're saying. And you can possibly improvise within that and, and impulses can come because you're so sure of, of, of what's going to come out of your mouth next. So you've worked with, we mentioned, uh, Clint, you've worked with actors like uh, Paul Schrader and James Cameron and Paul Haggis and these great, great directors. 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 What, Uh what do all great, directors have in common hmm what do all great directors have in common i don't know if there's a common thread except that they have a passion for what they're doing i think you know to to direct something means you have to have a lot of pre-production sometimes you know years go by Hmm. before something uh goes into production and and the commitment you have to have for that and 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 you know, having a crew that is you're responsible for and, you know, then, then all the post stuff. I mean, it's, it's a passion. I believe that the common thread is the passion hmm. for, for telling a story. Yeah. Yeah. So you were part of that amazing ensemble um, on Titanic, mm-hmm. uh, which is such, you know, to this day is such a great, great film. Um, I used to own movie theaters and I just remember Titanic was the movie that put us in the black for a particular, particular year. Right. Uh, Cause it played for four or five months. I mean, it just went on and on. What's it like being in a movie like that? That is literally the biggest grossing movie in the history of the world. 
Well, until until Jim topped himself with Avatar. Oh, that's right. Correct. Avatar did take over. You're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. And I think because of the ticket crisis, I think there's another one that moved up the chain. I can't even remember anymore. But, you know, the, the what was it? $1.8 billion world, worldwide. Nobody had ever seen a figure like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was uh, number one for 16 weeks in a row. Nobody will ever see that again. No, never. No. And uh, so it, it was pretty, pretty wonderful, actually, to see the success of that because it was it was an intense shoot. Tell us of the accommodations and steerage, Mr. Dawson. I hear they're quite good on this ship. The best I've seen, ma'am. Hardly any rats. <laughs> <laughs> and where exactly do you live, Mr. Dawson? Well, right now, my address is the RMS Titanic. After that, I'm on God's good humor. And how is it you have means to travel? You are not to see that boy again. Do you understand me? Rose? I forbid it. Oh, stop it, Mother. You'll give yourself a nosebleed. This is not a game. Your father left us nothing but a legacy of bad debts hidden by a good name. That name is the only card we have to play. He talk about somebody with passion. My God, I'll never forget the first day I I showed up and I I got uh, to Rosarito Beach where we were shooting, and it was really late. And I think it was it was a night shoot, obviously. And I walked walked it because I, I I put all my stuff down in my little place that they had for me, and I said I want to go to the set. I want to see what's going on. And uh, I walked over to Video Village. And uh, I had a little cup of cappuccino in my hand uh, because they had a cappuccino thing there, uh, taking care of everybody and make sure everybody, cast and crew, could always keep themselves fortified with uh, coffee. And I said, hey, Jim, do you want a, do you want a, a shot of, of coffee? He looked at me. He goes, can you imagine me on coffee? <laughs> Because he's, you know, he's a vegan, he's clean as a whistle, because he's so energetic. I think I've told this story before, but it's been a, such a long time since I've told it, that I think it bears repeating. Uh, the first, the first night that we were in the, you met the grand staircase, right? Yes. Where oh, yeah. Leo beautiful comes down. And, yeah. Uh, no, uh, Kate comes down and Leo's down there rehearsing his handshake and all that. And he looks up and there she is walking down. And there was a shot uh, from her POV at one point of Leo, and behind him was the the pattern on the floor, the black and white yes. patterns, right? And at one point, Jim goes, "Stop, stop, stop, stop!" There's a spot on the floor, and we all looking, and uh, he goes, "That we can't have that. This is a brand new ship. There wouldn't have been spots on the floor. They, it would have been cleaned up." He goes, "We got to get somebody to clean that up." So everybody went scurrying. He ran somewhere and came out and he got down on his hands and knees and cleaned that spot wow. off the floor. Oh, wow. And I went over, I said, Jim, you have a crew to do this with. And he goes, no, I've worked every job on a film set. I know where they keep that shit. <laughs> so, and he did, obviously. But I thought he's a team player, you know. Yeah. He, he, Yeah. He expects 100% from people, and when we give it to him, he is a happy man. Yeah. So you worked with him again on, on uh, Fargo. He de- didn't he direct an episode? Did he direct an episode of Fargo? No, no, no. no. It, was a different, it was a different 
James Cameron? Because there was, a, I, saw, I saw the director, James Cameron, and I thought, I have to, how cool I have to look it up. I, well, that you I got to do uh, no, no, I have somebody had, different. Okay. Yeah, I haven't had the pleasure of working with him again. Um, in, in any event, I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned Fargo. Uh, you got to play uh, in, a, in a, uh, an episode with your daughter, Francesca, mm-hmm. where you actually played mother and daughter. What was that? No, experience? I actually played her older. Oh, you played her older. That's yes. right. That's yes. right. This is that, how that happened is that she had auditioned for, for the part. And uh, I can't remember. I, I think... Somebody called my agents and said, hey, you know, we just cast uh, Frances Fisher's daughter in this part. And there's a scene or two uh, where she is 40 years older or something like that mm-hmm. later. And we thought it would be really fun if Frances would come in and do this part. And uh, I read it. Obviously, I love Fargo. Oh, yeah. And to, you know, to, to support my daughter. I said, yeah, absolutely, you know, and so that's how I, how I got in there. And the interesting thing about it, of course, we didn't shoot on the same days, obviously. Yeah. Um, but when I saw the piece put together, there was a moment where her character <clears throat> stood with her arms crossed in a certain way. And then we went to my scene 40 years later and I did the same thing as that character. Just naturally. Just natural. Just naturally. We had never talked about body language or anything like that. But it's like I had the same gesture. It's like I'm, get, I'm getting chills right now uh, from that because it was a very small part that I played. It was not yeah. much, you know, but it was a, it was a, you know, a, like where did that character end up? And, sure, you know, sure. Waitress in a diner with too much makeup, spray tan on her face. Well, I had had this thing, which actually happened today. I left the house and I forgot something and had to go back. And my mother was very superstitious growing up. So whenever she would do that, she would, when she came back in the house, she'd have to sit down and then go out again. (laughs) So now I'm cursed with that. (laughs) I remember the first time I did it, my husband was like, what are you doing? And I said, it's just the thing that I picked up from my mother. I have to sit down. Or, or it's superstitious. I love that. I'm going to think, I hope I get to play a character who gets to like do that. You know, just, and you don't even say what it is. It's just one of those idiosyncrasies. Yes. That yes. A person does. Don't even mention it or talk about it. So, so your, uh, your daughter has followed in your, your footsteps um, and has, has a successful start to, uh, to her career. When she originally told you, I, I want to be an actress. What, what was your reaction? Well, I mean, to make a joke about it, I would have, I, I probably said something like, well, I've been telling you that since you were three, hmm. you know, because she was, she was denying it all growing up. She didn't want to have anything to do with it because that was mo- what mommy and daddy did, you know, but I, I could see it. I could see it as, as a two-year-old, three-year-old. She'd just dress up. I've got so many pictures of her. You know, she would, she would wear her Disney costumes to school every day and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and play out all, all of the, the, the parts of all the Disney girls, you know, and it's been a real slice, you know, and, and I could just see that she loved the, the, the mimicking and, and uh, dressing up the, the costumes. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Uh, so when she said, finally, mom, I'm, I'm going to, I'm surrendering. <laughs> I have to do this. I went, yeah, good, good. You've got the talent. You know, thank God she has the talent, you know, and the ability and, and, and the, 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 it's just in, in her. It's innate. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. Do you, uh, do you, you hope to uh, do something with her again in the future? I mean, do you think in those terms, the two of you, that you'd like to do something together? Or if it just happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens. Yeah. There, there were a couple of projects that, that happened and then I got an, an actual paying job. So I kind of left it behind. But maybe something, you know, that will end up being something we've worked on for 40 years. Because <laughs> I can no longer play a flashback of myself, but my daughter could. You know, so if I ever get this piece completed, maybe, who knows? Yeah. Uh, maybe somebody listening to this will go, yeah, they could be, be mother and daughter. It's like, let's do the Diane Ladd and um, Laura Dern. Laura Dern thing, thing sure. You know, they've worked together and they're so beautiful together, those two. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful so, actresses. So you uh, are one of the stars of Awake, which is a brand new movie on Netflix. And uh, we both got to watch it. It's a chilling movie. It's just a, it's a chilling, chilling movie. What can you say about, I, I never know these rules. Like, what are you allowed to say about it? Can you, can you give away sort of the premise of it? I don't want to give it away because I think that telling this, that's why I don't like to read reviews because it, they tend to like tell the storyline yes. and I love to be surprised by it. But uh, I think just to leave it at chilling, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> where where nobody can sleep except one person. I think yeah. that's enough, and like where they have to go to to help themselves, and what happens in the aftermath of this horrible event that nobody understands. Yeah. So, and it's an end of the world story. We can say that much. Um, I, I think, um, and. Yeah, you know, it raises a hypothetical. If if uh, somebody says to you, "All right, it all it all comes to an end in one week," what what would you do? If if oh, that's a very good question. I've never quite had that posed to me. What would I do? I'd probably bid goodbye to this wonderful cast and crew and say, "I'm going to go back home and spend my last days with my daughter and my grandson." Yeah. yeah. And that I think sense. everybody else would be scattering like rats on a sinking ship too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think everybody would have that that desire to be with their family again. No question. No question. We, we, we've talked about this once before. I said to Steve, I would smoke a cigarette because <laughs> I, I quit so long ago. And, uh, and I miss it sometimes, you know? Yeah. And especially yeah. when I watch a movie and somebody's smoking and it just looks so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh man i just want that feeling but yeah. i don't want the aftermath of it obviously but right i have a friend who said you know i i haven't done drugs all my life but she said if i end up in an old folks home bring on the drugs i'm gonna try everything i'm gonna try acid i'm gonna try ecstasy <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay uh, have fun <laughs> yeah right right so last thing for you, we did a show a couple of weeks ago about the the best things or the favorite things that we have seen so far in pop culture this year. So movies, TV, uh, what what for you have you been watching and loving so far in 2021? 
God, you know, it's so, this has been such a bizarre year, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it has been. Uh, and, and I think everybody has, has run out their Netflix subscription and have, has watched everything, but they keep, you know, bringing more on. Yes, they do. I haven't, I haven't really sat down and watched things because I, thank you, Lord, I've been working. Yeah. And I spend my time with my script because if you know the, the, the conceit of the sinner, it's the flashback thing. So, so as an actor, you have to know all these flashbacks. You have to have that already incorporated into your body and your muscle memory, mm-hmm. even though the, the narrative is only being spoon fed to the audience a little bit at a time. Yeah. At, right. As a character. Sure. You know stuff. And then uh, Mr. Pullman gets to just, find it out as he goes along he's i gotta tell you i want to just i'm I'm not i'm skirting the question completely Uh, (laughs) sometimes i forget my lines when i'm working with bill because i'm just fascinated by what he's doing yeah his thinking process is mesmerizing to me and i just like be looking and he goes one time he goes miss fisher it's your line this is that's why we're rolling, but he, he's so much fun. So I'm getting yeah. better at it. But the, you know, the original question, Sue, you asked me about, you know, starting out with a new project and are there nerves and stuff like that? And it's like, yeah, you know, there are, my nerves are getting better because we've been in production for about three or four weeks now and uh, I'm getting more comfortable, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. I haven't worked in, in a while. Uh, so what did I watch? Of course, I binge watched when I got this job. Uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to watch season one of The Center. And you know, I started at seven o'clock, and I had to watch the entire thing. And yeah. I watched all eight episodes. And the next night, I watched the second season, and then the third season after that. Um, what else? Have I? Schitt's Creek. I love so much. So good. So, so good. good. You know what's nice about that? It's got such a good heart to it, you know? And I think especially during this really dark period during the pandemic, we all needed something that felt good to watch. And I think Shit's Creek really played that role for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And just recently, because um, I'm, I'm working with uh, Bill, I watched Halston. Mm. Oh, which yes. was just eye candy, the design, the, the storyline. It was just, it was a great escape, you know, because with so much going on in the world and the activism, I'm, I'm sure that you guys are doing and so many of the people listening, we all have gotten so active politically in, in, in many, many areas. Yes. And sometimes it's, it's just a little overwhelming and it's really important to do self-care and to take a walk and to eat well. And sometimes just turn on something that's going to make you shake you out of, out of the sadness that you're feeling all the time to see that there, there is also laughter, there's joy. You can, uh, you can recharge your batteries in a myriad of ways in order to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I'm really excited about season four of The Sinner now. I watched those first three seasons, and Bill is great, and Bill's been on the show. Fascinating, fascinating guy, and such interesting layers to that character. Cannot wait to see you in uh, season four of The Sinner. And the movie, which I strongly recommend, is uh, Awake, 
Um, it is on Netflix right now. Um, it is a chilling story that you will absolutely love. Um, Francis, thank you so much for doing this. We really do appreciate it. It was a great, you know what this was? This was a great escape for me to actually remember where I came from because I forget that sometimes. Oh, nice. You know? yeah, and, uh, yeah, well, you're a, you've had a legendary, you're having a legendary career. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're huge fans. So yeah. this has been a real treat. Thank oh, you, Francis, so much. It's so good, great to meet you. Good talking with you both. And there is Francis Fisher, who, uh, by the way, after we did that interview, gave us a complete tour of uh, where she's living as she's shooting the center. She's got an unbelievable view up there in Canada. Yeah, I would. It's 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 always such a joy when. Well, you know, you, you always know when when you when you're having fun doing yes, an interview. Yes. But you know, when when talent wants to hang out with you even longer. Yes. Yes. You know, you did a good job. Yeah, no, it was, it was fun. She's great. Yeah. She's yeah. great. I told, I, I, you know, this story I think is true, but could be apocryphal. Are you ever in this position where you're pretty sure something happened, mm -hmm. but then you wonder if you're just telling a story because it's a good story. So uh, I'll tell, okay, I'll tell okay, you. Okay, give me I an example. I didn't ask about this. So, okay. Uh, when I was doing the Tom Snyder show in the 90s, uh, Frances Fisher was a guest one night. And I remember her coming in with a couple of her friends and a six-pack of beer. And I thought there, we were working at Television City, CBS. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what my recollection is. But I have no idea anymore because it's been 30 years if that's true. And you have nobody to run this by. Who I can have confirm nobody or deny to it. tell me. Exactly. So in my mind, Francis Fisher will always be the guest who, one, brought beer to an interview uh, when I was at CBS, and two, gave us a complete tour of her residence. Uh, <laughs> that is a first for us on right. the uh, Culture Pop podcast. Well, I could totally, after talking to her, I can totally see her bringing beer to an Me interview. Me too. It seems in character. It seems <laughs> in character. What a nice lady. What a yeah, nice lady. What fun. a great actress. Yeah. All right, so uh, you know what we got to do now, Sue? We have to um, give homage to our lovely Jacob Imrani. That's right. Now, here's the thing. I, I'm just going to throw away these scripts. I'm done reading scripts okay. about Jacob Imrani. Um, you know, years ago, my dad took a spill. And the first person I called was Jacob. That's how strongly I feel about, about Jacob Imrani and what he does for people. He guides people through the process after an accident or after an injury, guides them through the process, make sure they get to a doctor right away, uh, make sure the case gets bolstered, uh, does uh, all, the, uh, all the insurance work and deals with all that stuff that would be a hassle for you. He's a great guy. He is... Um, your, he is my attorney. He's a real guy. He is a real family guy. He loves sports just, just like us. He's an official sponsor of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm telling you, if you're in this terrible spot where you have an accident as a pedestrian or on a motorcycle or in a car, or maybe it's your mom or your kid, uh, you want Jacob on your side. 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB, or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call, Call Jacob. Jacob.
That was as close as we've been to in sync. That is not true at all. You have in sync. I'm going to call it in sync. Um, your challenge. Your in sync ch- challenge. I am. So that was not in sync. No, because we. I came in a little bit earlier than you. Oh God. In the duet part. All right. Well. Well, uh, we, we've got plenty of shows to uh, try to work this out. Uh, Sue, great seeing you. It was fun today. Yep. And we and, will uh, see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.